Broadcasting live from the Wellness Wonderland, you're listening to the Wellness Wonderland Radio. I'm Katie, and each week I chat with the most inspirational people on the planet on how to stay inspired in all areas of life. As you listen, feel free to tweet at me, at Katie Dalebout, or use the hashtag Wellness Wonderland. I'd love to hear your aha moments. So grab your headphones and listen on the go, or cuddle up with a notebook as we dive in deep with authentic conversations right here in Wonderland. Hey guys, welcome to the Wellness Wonderland Radio. Today's episode is sponsored by Thrive Market. And Thrive is amazing. They have one of my favorite products that if you follow me on Snapchat, which side note, you totally should because it's fast becoming my favorite social media platform out there, surpassing Instagram. So I'm just at Katie Dale, just my name if you want to follow me. But anyways, I posted about this product, Sea Clear, which is this probiotic-rich, super healthy miso that I love and I have all the time. I think I'm going to make some right after I record this, actually. It sounds really good. Um, anyways, the only place I can really find it is Thrive Market. So that's how I found them. And then we decided to partner up and come up with a giveaway for you guys. How cool is that? So you can win $100 to Thrive Market um, as well as one month th- free to them. Um, so if you just go to thrivemarket.com slash so slash wellness wonderland so that's thrive t-h-r-i-v-e market.com slash wellness wonderland the link of course will be in the show notes and you know if you want to shop at thrive um that would be super cool because i really like them and you know enter the contest and support the show So I hope you guys have an amazing time listening to this, and this person is a friend of mine. I really like him. It's a him, and you'll see in a second who that is. So enjoy the show, and I'll talk to you guys really soon. Again, you guys rock. I love you. And everyone who's left a review on iTunes, thank you so much. It helps me out more than you know, and I read every single one of them. They help bring more people to the show. So if you like the show and you haven't left a review yet, it would be really awesome if we could take this relationship to the next level and you could do that for me. I would be so grateful. So you rock. Share the show with a friend if you like it. Enjoy the show, and I will talk to you guys soon. And I am so psyched to welcome one of my friends and fellow Detroit native, who is now a transplant in LA and a cooking channel, TV host, a celebrity chef who has changed the landscape of organic, sustainable cuisine. Jason Robel is here in the Wonderland. So you guys are going to love J-Ro if you don't know him already, and you probably do know him already, so you're as excited as I am for this convo. Because, yeah, he's a smart, funny guy, and I'm really excited to get to know him more today with all of you guys eavesdropping. But he's a renowned, world-renowned leader in organic cuisine, like I said. He has a focus on simplicity, which I love, as well as artful presentation, which you know I also love. It's all in the details. And he imbues his aesthetic raw food creations with the energy of fresh, local, organic produce and the healing properties of raw superfoods, which 
have rendered his dishes hands-down favorites among celebrity clients and regular folk like us alike. So he's cooked for everyone from Woody Harrison, Jeremy Piven, Robin Wright, Sigourney Weaver, and so many more. How cool is that? And they all rave about his healthy, innovative cuisine. And now they're in the plant-based camp, which is way cool. So his YouTube videos are like my favorite part of him. And you should totally check them out because, yeah, his food is great and his recipes are awesome. And not to like downplay that, but really what I love is that he's so funny and informative and makes you smile, which is really great. So I got to have a meal with him in my favorite restaurant here in Detroit when he was home for the holidays. And now I'm excited to continue that conversation today. So again, thank you for visiting, J-Ro. Thanks for having me, Katie. I'm excited to finally be here. I know. This is so great. It's like sushi. You never know what vegan sushi is going to do. And here we are. It was the gateway to us having this conversation. Yeah. I mean, I guess we should give a shout out to Ohm Cafe because that's the, the place I was just alluding to for people who are listening who are local. We both love it. You grew up going there and I get takeout from there on the regular. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those staples that, you know, early in my days of um, experimenting with a healthier lifestyle, it was one of my go-tos. It was like, oh, thank God that there's a place I can go uh, after band practice and, and mm. get some vegetarian and vegan options. So I've been going to the OM for a long time. I won't say how many years. It's been a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they we bonded over um, their nori roll for the people listening. It's like brown rice and daikon radish and avocado and it's all well and good but the tahini sauce i mean (laughs) right that's the best part yeah that's what keeps people coming back for more for sure i mean i get the tahini sauce with a side of nori roll basically Um, but, but yeah, no, it's, it's awesome. And, um, actually I have to tell you this and everyone who's listening will appreciate, I was just there yesterday, the best soup. It was, um, cauliflower, parsnip and carrot and lemon. And I was like, is it going to be pureed? Is it not? I don't know. And it was a little bit of both. Like it was pureed, but then they also put chunks of, parsnips and cauliflower and yes right this is the best of both worlds yes you would have loved it yeah those kind of mashups are my favorite of where it's creamy but it's still chunky yeah because sometimes you want to chew you know you do you want to masticate as often as possible (laughs) i said masticate for all the listeners masticate it means chewing (laughs) don't get any ideas people I love that. Um, so yeah, we'll have to make a tradition of that when you're in town to grab a meal together and collaborate more. Yes, I, I'm I'm making a vow to try and come home more often because at this rate, I only make it home like twice a year, and I would like to up, up my up my Detroit game to more times every year coming home. I love that, yeah. and stick to the warmer months, hopefully. Yes, which <laughs> now I can safely come home. Thank you. Yes, Yay. exactly. Um, All right, so let's get into your story and zoom the lens back a little bit. And I really want to know, you know, you told me this over over lunch when you were in town about how you came to this lifestyle, but I'd love to dig into when you decided you wanted to make it your career and make a business out of it. You know, it's it's funny because... I don't often tell this side of the story of, of what really got me into the business portion and, mm. and the career direction of it. 
Exclusive. Um, it is. And, and it's, it's kind of a cliche Midwestern boy leaves home, goes out to L.A. to make it big and doesn't, things don't really work out the way he thought type of story. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I really started my career in, in two directions. Um, I actually went to college for theater and also marketing. And so Where did I, you go to school? Did you go to school here in Michigan? No, in Chicago. I went to uh, I went to Columbia College. Oh, in Chicago. nice! I think we sort of talked about this, but nice. yeah. And and so my um my really my first two loves were were you know acting and writing, and and they were things that I really excelled at, things that I really enjoyed doing. And um, I worked actually professionally first way before food as a copywriter for different advertising agencies and. Um, doing a lot of uh, marketing style of writing and just doing some theater on the side, doing some improv, some acting gigs here and there. And after, um, after a few years of copywriting and, and just kind of dabbling in acting, I said, you know what? I got to get out to California. I'd always, always wanted to move out to Los Angeles. Uh, my father was an actor growing up and I had this pull. I just knew that there was a part of my soul that wanted to be in California. So I left home, um, for good in 2005 actually and I came out to Los Angeles and I started auditioning and you know doing the doing the whole thing of meeting with agents and just trying to get the ball rolling out here and it didn't really work out the way I thought it would it was it was kind of the school of hard knocks of all right Detroit kid let's see what you got you know Mm -hmm. and I got put through the ringer pretty quickly and really it came down to how am I going to support myself on my own out here in a place I've never lived. I don't have any friends out here and um, the money is running out pretty quickly. And I had this moment where it was just a a serendipitous occasion where I was visiting a raw food boutique out here in Los Angeles at the time. And one of the owners said, well, you know, there's, there's a vegan culinary school, right? And I said, no, I didn't know. I didn't know there was a vegan culinary school. So on a whim, I decided to go up to Northern California and, in, and enroll at the Living Light Culinary Arts Institute. And that was late 2005, so we're going on almost 10 years ago um, that I graduated from culinary school and my life took a very different direction. So when you – thank you for going into that and telling that. This is so fascinating. I love diving into people's stories and getting into all of this. So when you were – going out there for acting, you were already really into this lifestyle because you got into that when you were pretty young, when you were still in Michigan, right? Correct. Yeah. I, um, I had started just changing my lifestyle around um, 1995 after my grandfather passed away from cancer. And that was really um, the catalyst for me, taking a really good look at my lifestyle choices and how my family was eating, the things that I had been brought up with. And by the time um, early 1998 rolled around, I had dabbled in vegetarianism and then finally decided to just go full-on vegan. So I've been vegan since 98. So by the time 05 rolled around and I went to culinary school, I had already been making food and really just immersing myself in an in a organic vegan lifestyle for um, seven years at that point. Nice, nice. So then you, so you go to culinary school and... Mm-hmm. You, at that time, were you still igniting the fire of acting and performing at the same time, or were you kind of putting that on the back burner? Yeah, it, your, your analogy is funny. I literally did put it on the back burner. <laughs> because, uh, I, 
I came out of culinary school just, you know, on fire. I was like, okay, I'm so excited to share this with the world and create new dishes and, and how am I going to do this? And I, I really put performing and, and entertaining and being on a stage or in front of a camera on the shelf for a few years. And I focused on really getting my feet wet in the restaurant world as, you know, I, I think most people do when they come out of culinary school. They do apprenticeships and they work in restaurants to really learn the craft and learn from other chefs. And so I ended up moving to New York City in 2006 and working with uh, Matthew Kenny, who is a, a really well-renowned um, vegan and raw food chef. And um, after about seven or eight months in New York, uh, uh, my partner at the time, she got an offer to work for Google. So we moved back to California. So left LA, moved to New York, back to Northern California, and then uh, things didn't really work out with us, but I still had the LA bug. Like something inside me was like, you got to go back to LA. I didn't know why, but something inside me was like, you just got to be there. It's okay. You're like, your time is now. So I moved back to LA in 07 and was still doing the restaurant chefing thing. And something inside me though, didn't feel like my place was tucked back in a kitchen. I, I always had this urge to be up in front and be in front of people and, and be educating people and entertaining them. And um, I started a catering company. And via the catering company, I also started a YouTube channel. And I started doing live speaking appearances and doing my YouTube channel in early 2009. And that was really, I guess, if you could say the pivot point in me kind of grafting the two worlds together, yeah, reaching, you know, reaching back into the acting and the performing, plus the food and the desire to educate and, and really entertain people. And 09 was really the point when I said, you know what, I can merge these two worlds. I can take all my passions and somehow create an amalgam here yeah. that allows me to tap into all my talents. Best of both worlds. Yeah. That's that's amazing. And, you know, the, the listeners are going to laugh at me because I quote this one Steve Jobs quote literally every podcast. But, you know, the reason why I do this show is to really show, you know, people's hero heroine or, or hero's journey, journey. And, you know, Steve Jobs says you can't connect the dots moving forward. You can only do some moving back. And it's so perfect. You know, you had to go to L.A. for acting. You never would have known you, you loved L.A. You had to wander into that store to, you know, get into cooking and being a chef. And then eventually it all it all comes together so beautifully. And it's so divinely clear that you're living your purpose in the world. And that's just such an amazing thing to, to see in you. Um, so at the time in 2009, you said, I think, um, mm -hmm. talk me through what was the landscape of YouTube at that time and why did you, I mean, it's obvious why you decided, um, on YouTube to start because, or to make videos because it was a way for you to kind of merge your two loves of your two passions. But, um, what was it like back then and, and how did you just, how did you kind of build your your platform there? Well, at that time, I I remember looking around YouTube, and and there were not a lot of there were like people. four videos back then. <laughs> yeah, no, really, it's it's funny because I I meet you know I have friends that are that are really successful YouTubers, and you know they've been going kind of in the more comedy gaming uh, entertainment side since two thousand six. 
you know, so they're, they're veterans nine, almost 10 years in now. And, and, you know, getting in early on a social media platform is really critical, I think, now, because when you get in early, even though I was three years past, really, the start of YouTube, um, when you see that there's a niche that hasn't been properly filled, I think it's a wonderful opportunity to, to leverage your brand or your personality or your product where the demand isn't being filled yet. And I remember in 09, I was working with um, a really, really great publicist who's a friend of mine who she was like, you got to get on YouTube. There's nothing on there. There's no vegan chefs. There's a few recipes and they're all boring and everyone's really kind of like just monotone and weird and you would be great on YouTube. And I was like, all right, fine, I'll do YouTube. So I just casually started uploading videos. I, I wasn't Truthfully, you know, the first maybe year and a half on YouTube, I wasn't really taking it seriously. I wasn't producing content that had any thread through of real storytelling or branding yet. It was just me kind of randomly doing videos. Um, but you but enjoyed I, it. Oh, I loved it. it. It was great because I felt like I was able to kind of uncork my weirdness and my crazy personality and do it in a way. And my intention was always to... to showcase healthy food and healthy recipes in a way that would really entertain and engage people that they could look at it and go this guy is having so much fun and this is so like energizing i i, I have to watch this that's video. exactly how i feel when i'm watching your videos okay good then it's still working good yes yes <laughs> because that that was my whole starting point of saying like okay on youtube i'm not seeing anybody yet doing that style of content with recipes of like Hey, I'm here in the kitchen. I am flying high. I'm going to make you guys this amazing kale cupcake. People are like, kale cupcake? What? <laughs> what? This dude is on kale cupcakes? What? Is, okay, if he's eating kale cupcakes, I need to see how to make said kale cupcakes. Yeah. So, you know, my ethos was like, I want to fill this niche that hasn't been filled yet. And I want to use this platform to showcase just my personality and see who latches on. So, you know, media in general in particular YouTube, but also, you know, Instagram and video in general has been an awesome way for me to get out my message, my brand and my recipes to the mainstream. And, um, and for anybody out there, you know, I don't, I don't know whatever your particular brand is, but showcasing your personality, showcasing your heart, putting your unique spirit on camera, I think adds so much value in so many ways to people getting to know you. It's like you become someone's friend. Yeah. even though you've never met in person. So I can't stress people doing video content enough. I, I think it's crucial now for brand building. Oh my gosh, yeah. I, I agree so much. And I I love all social media. I mean, I do not discriminate. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I and I, I guess Instagram's probably my favorite. But I love YouTube too. And I, I just love being a consumer of YouTube and – building community just like subs the people I'm subscribed to like you and and so many others that I love and I really respect and um you know and I'm working on on building up my own YouTube channel and, and making more videos I, I put these podcasts up there but you know also video content I just love making because like you said I think of 
all the social media platforms, YouTube allows you to be the most authentic because, and I think podcasts and long form interviews as well, kind of, you kind of get that, but there's no hiding, right? Like there's no yeah. filter, there's no Instagram filter. There's no, <laughs> I mean, you can edit and you can take out your ums and you can whatever, but um, but at the end of the day, like it's you and the camera and it just feels more intimate to me than any other social media platform because it is, you know, it's, it's really real and um, it can allow your personality to, sh- to show through so much. And, yeah. you know, with you, I think um, you have such a great one. So it's, it's wonderful. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see where you take yours. I, I know you've been putting videos up in these podcasts and um, I just think it's wonderful how, you know, you're spreading your message of compassion and awareness and consciousness and, um, it's just exciting, I guess, in general to see in the past six years, you know, how much that, I guess, mainstream consciousness is adopting all of these things that we're talking about collectively, whereas yeah. it's gone from something kind of fringe mm-hmm. now to, you know, when I go back home to Detroit or I tour to places like Canada or even the southern states in the U.S., People are talking about meditation and green juice and gratitude journaling. And it's like, whoa, this is definitely not a New York, L.A., San Francisco thing anymore. This is happening. Yeah, which is awesome and so cool. And I think for people who want to be leaders in it also can be daunting, you know. But I think I shared this with you when you were in town. But it's like I feel here that I'm still kind of like the – big fish in the small town, right? Like there's not that many people doing this sort of thing. But if I was to go to, you know, LA, San Francisco, New York, there's so many people doing this sort of thing. So, you know, I think a great way to kind of look at that is it's so needed here, which is which is really exciting and awesome. And, you know, at the same time, it's so awesome that it's spreading. And I think we can really thank social media for that because it mm-hmm. allows us to you know, I feel like I've been able to handpick the coolest friends all across the country, all across the world, and make them my real life buddies. Um, you know, even like you and I, like we did physically meet in person, but before that we had met online. And, you know, I think that's really, really, really cool. And I actually still remember it. Like I remember you posted a photo at Whole Foods Detroit and I was like, what? He's in town? I watch his <laughs> videos and I commented on your Instagram and you were like, yeah, let's hang out next time there, you know? And so it's, it's totally. cool. Um, it's it's really cool that, that this could, that the internet can bring us together in that way. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So from there, um, you had a show on the cooking channel. What was that like? And how did you manifest that sort of an opportunity? I mean, it was a, it was a dream come true. Literally. I, I had that one on my manifestation board for at least four years. So cool. And just, it's amazing when you look at how much energy and love you focus on something and then watch it appear in, in, into your reality. Yeah. It's like, whoa, this is powerful. Yeah. And that was the big one for me. I, I remember when I, when, I really started, um, when I really started putting myself out on YouTube, doing more live speaking appearances and, and appearing at different conferences and festivals, that was the thing was like, going to have my own TV show, going to have my own TV show. Gonna, it was like a mantra. Cool. It's just like I was obsessed with having my own TV show. 
And, um, and literally, I wanted to be the first. I, I mean, in, in the specificity of manifesting, I remember saying, I want to be the first vegan chef with a primetime mainstream TV series. Period. Like, as specific as possible. That is so cool. And so it was a lot of energy behind this opportunity. And, and to give you the cliff notes, I suppose, of, of how it all gestated, how this all came to fruition, um, I was doing a speaking appearances at David Wolf's Longevity Now conference, and it was spring or early 2011. And um, one of the producers of the show, her daughter, who is now the director of my series, um, she said, hey, mom, you know, we're, we're looking for a chef. We want to pitch a vegetarian or vegan cooking series and, and really make a big thing out of it. Do you know anyone? So the producer of the, one of the producers of the conference said, oh, yeah, I know this guy, Jason. You got to meet him. So I met with Alana, who is one of the producers and also the director of my show. And we got together. We hit it off immediately. We started concepting. And a year later, in 2012, we had a really great pitch package together, great sizzle reel, three episodes written, just awesome concept. And um, she pitched it to several networks, and it ended up that Food Network was like, oh, cool, we love him, let's have a chat and see where this goes. So Food Network was the one who ended up taking a bite, and <laughs> they, um, they greenlit a pilot episode. The pilot did great, so they greenlit a full season one. And um, we did season one, which was on last year, and we did not get renewed for a second season, which, you know, is, it was kind of really a disappointment at first um, of like, wow, I've worked so many years on manifesting this, and it came and went so quickly. But the cool thing is the, the season one reruns are still on the air on Mondays at 8, and Every Monday when it's on, I still get a bunch of emails and mm. Facebook messages of people like, oh, my God, I just discovered your show. Tell me more about it. So the ripple effect is still going, which makes my heart feel really good. And, um, you know, it's been a life-changing opportunity, Katie, where, yeah. where, you know, having a platform on a mainstream TV network has opened doors that I really never thought were even there. So um, it's been a life-changing experience for me. Oh, I, this is like my favorite part of this interview because I love hearing that story, especially, I mean, of course, I'm so glad that you had that platform and that you were able to, you know, to show your work in that way. But hearing the manifestation story is what I find so inspiring. And I have a, I have a similar experience to that, which, you know, I've shared with you and we have the same publisher actually, well, well, get into that but when I um when I got my book deal and it was again one of those same things that like I was like I had that specificity in manifestation and I said you know I want a book deal with Hay House and and Mm -hmm. that was what I ended up getting and you know it wasn't really like that thing or that you know particular like thing that happened to me it was what I made that mean that like I allowed that to be the opening for so much other change and positivity to flow into my life because for me it was like kind of like your cooking show experience where it was like I got this external validation for myself that like I was worthy and then from there it developed my confidence so I could be worthy of coaching and hosting a podcast and you know doing all these other things that I'm doing now 
um, because I had someone like be like, no, like you should do this. It was like this wink from the universe being like, <laughs> no, you can go on your path. You know, and I feel like the cooking show, the cooking channel show for you was sort of the same thing, right? Yeah, for sure. It, it's it's an interesting topic that, that you just touched on, which is external validation. And yeah, it's 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 really an interesting subject because there's that feeling inside of knowing that we are doing great work Mm -hmm. and it can be really challenging for me sometimes. And I think it's probably magnified being in a place like LA where so much externality is emphasized here of, you know, how successful are you based on? Yeah. But I think that's anywhere too. Yeah. It it is really, I think you're right. I mean the, the, but I'm sure it's magnified. Yeah, I mean, American popular culture in, in, in general, I think, has a value system of, hey, if you drive this kind of car and you live in this kind of house and you wear these clothes and external, 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 mm-hmm. then everything has been validated because you've checked all these boxes. But I think it's it's an interesting thing where we realize that, you know, from a perspective of ego, in a healthy sense, you know, there is a certain amount of love, attention, validation, affection that we need as human beings to live and be psychologically healthy, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah, um, well said. I agree. You know, it, it's the thing that I kind of meditate on is a, a lot of teachers or spiritual teachers will be like, oh, you have to kill the ego. It's like, well, good luck with that because mm-hmm. I don't think personally, in my experience, it's our task to kill the ego, which is a whole other conversation about maybe perpetuating more violence in the world, but... I think it's about looking at how can the ego serve us in a positive, uplifting, and loving yeah. way. Yeah, And yeah. so, you know, we, we can know, like you with your book, like you're doing great work, and internally you know it, but then you get a great book deal with a publisher that you love and admire, and it's like, oh, yeah, they see it too. Cool. Yeah. yeah I am doing good work. I, kn- I knew that. Yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, as, as warped as that is, like that external thing – propelled me and moved me forward and now I'm able to do more blogs and be more honest and you know inspire people in a bigger way because I had someone pat me on the back and be like no 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 you got this you know and I think that you know I heard Danielle Laporte speak about this in a, in a um, podcast years ago but she spoke about the conversation of you know sometimes how the like you were saying, how the ego can be good. Like she was saying how she had this ego need to be seen, right? Like yeah. it was her ego need to be seen, to be uh, have a certain level of fame, have accolades, whatever, whatever. And she said that she's grateful for that ego need to be seen because look at how many people she's helped, you know? Look at all the books that she's been able to give the world and all the programs. Yeah. And, and I think it's kind of the same thing for us, you know, and, and for you, I, th- I feel like we're really similar in this way, Jason, because it's like, you know, I too was really into theater and acting um, when I was younger. I don't know if I, if I told you that, but, um, but I think, you know, having that bone of like being comfortable, being spe- being seen and speaking and, you know, putting ourselves out there authentically um, is really helpful because at the end of the day, like, we can use that because we're sharing good work. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, you're, you're, there's such a great parallel with, with your cooking channel show, which, you know, is just so great. And, um, and 
I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm so excited, excited and proud about that. I have to tell you really quick, um, I actually was in college when it came out, and I remember, um, or yeah, one of like must have been like a mutual friend of ours like posted on Facebook about um about like oh my friend from Detroit someone like from Michigan because I didn't even live here yet um has this cooking channel show and it's the first vegan cooking channel show and I remember being like oh my god that's so cool and watched (laughs) it and then now here I am talking to you so it's kind of one of those um another manifestation thing that's like way cool for me awesome that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, super cool. Um, so, yeah, that's so cool. So you do amazing cool things, and, and you talked about um, how you do do a lot of speaking. And I would love it if you could talk a little bit about when you are preparing for a talk and how do you – do you have any tips on presenting yourself? And do you have any, like, pre-talk or pre-video or pre-show – rituals that you would share with us it's a great series of questions um gets a lot (laughs) you know it it's hmm it's an interesting thing for me because you know my my mom put me on a stage at a very young age i didn't mean for that to be a rap but it was um (laughs) <laughs> My mom put me on stage so at a very, very young, young age. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And that's it. I'm done. Um, start, start young, everybody. Start young. Um, it, was, it was a byproduct, I guess, of me feeling super comfortable. So I know that's not going to apply to everyone because I, I know that, you know, a, a lot of people have a fear of public speaking or, or, they have a lot of self-consciousness when they're going to get up in front of a crowd or even record a video. Um, the thing that I try and remember is really just my intention. Like, what is what is my core intention here? And generally, whenever I'm doing a live speaking appearance or a YouTube video, I have the same intention, which is I'm not speaking to 20,000 people on a YouTube video. I'm not speaking to a crowd of 3,000 I'm speaking to one person. I'm speaking as if there's an intimate connection. So for me, as far as as a pre-speech or pre-video ritual, I suppose it's just remembering that my intention here is to connect on a really human level and speak to them as an individual, like whoever I'm making eye contact with. How can I really speak to their heart? How can I really resonate with their life? And one thing that is always a touchstone for me personally, Katie, is is the comedy because mm-hmm. in reading a lot of psychological studies about when people are presented with new material, material that's unfamiliar to them or maybe even a little scary, one of the ways that you can actually energetically help to open people or psychologically help them open is by making them laugh because when people are laughing, they're open and their defenses are down and they're more open to retain and receive new information that way. So from a completely psychological and and spiritual perspective, I find that humor and somehow relating to people on a really intimate human level and and helping them open up to receive new concepts is always a touchstone. So I'm constantly thinking, how can I make this fun? How can I make this really engaging? How can I make this relatable? Yeah. Um, Because, you know, I'm kind of a junkie. I go to so many wellness conferences. I go to so many um, different opportunities to see new speakers and see how they're engaging the audience, see 
how they're presenting their information. And I most resonate with people who just get up there and they're themselves. You can feel it. You can, you can feel the realness. Yeah. And you can feel how people are just mesmerized by them because they're authentic. They're just up there being themselves. Um, so I, I'd say just remember your intention. Remember to connect with the individuals. Eye contact is so important. Really just being there and connecting with them and um, not taking it so seriously. I know they always say like imagine everyone naked, which I've done. I've done that technique, um, which is weird because you get distracted because then you start thinking about details of their naked body. So I don't recommend that. <laughs> I don't. Um, but what I do, what I do recommend is just keeping it light and remember that um, that Western civil civilization is not hanging on whether you do a great job or not. <laughs> like life will go on even if you mess up. Um, and if people have the desire to be out in front, whether it's a YouTube host or um, being a public speaker, it's like anything else. The more you practice it, the more it becomes an automatic muscle. And I'm at the point now where I still get butterflies for sure, you know, right before I'm about to step out on a stage. But it's like then the muscle memory kicks in yeah. and I'm off to the races. I'm just mm. off flying. Yeah. I think, you know, that's healthy to have a little bit of that. I think that's, you know, kind of a good thing. It's like that fire under your butt to do a good job, which is which is always good. Um, you know, and I, I love what you said about keeping comedy in and keeping it light. And, and that's what you do in all of your work, which I really appreciate. And, um, you know, for people who are new to this lifestyle and new to wellness as a whole, you really break it down in an easily digestible way. Um, both with the food and the way you present it. And I think people really appreciate that as well as it's kind of the only way it would work, you know, which I just really, really, really gravitate towards and and really, really am into. Um, But I want to talk a little bit about, you know, more of the people who listen to my show are people who are already really into wellness and have been watching your videos and listening to my podcast and such. And I would love your tips on keeping things simple because sometimes, you know, I'm sure you've, you are also in this camp where there's so much out there. There's like, I should add this to my morning routine and I should add this superfood and I should, you know, do this thing and this sort of exercise. And there's just so much information out there. And you could literally find an article on every food saying it's good or bad, probably Mm -hmm. in the vastness of the internet. So what kind of tips do you have for the people who are already on this wellness journey to chill out and, and keep things simple while also making their, their wellness a priority? Cause obviously it's a passion of theirs. That is an awesome question. Um, it's almost paradoxical, my approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's paradoxical in the sense that I have the type of personality that when I hear about a new, a new food or a superfood or a, a new type of gratitude practice or meditation technique or a different style of yoga class, I get really excited and I want to jump in and play. I want to experiment. Yeah, me too. And... I think to achieve simplicity, it's about really asking the question, does this work for me? And the only way to find out if it works for you as an individual is to experiment with it. 
And for me, I'm a fan of getting a new product, trying a new class, and sticking with it for a period of time and seeing if it resonates. And for a lot of things, it might resonate for a period of time, and then it doesn't really work for me anymore. And mm-hmm. I think for, for me, especially early in my journey of wellness and, and living a healthier lifestyle, I had this mentality, and, and I've had a lot of conversations with other people about this as well, that, okay, I found my thing, yep, I'm going to be 100% raw foodist, I'm going to be an Ashtanga yogi, yeah. this is my exact way of gratitude journaling, I've got my vision board, I have my Ethiopian cats guarding the door, <laughs> I have my crystals in the corner, I'm good, I'm set, this is it. Yeah. And inevitably, that's not really it, because... I find that the menagerie we're creating through our lives, the the tapestry of the techniques and the meditations and the foods and and the physical practices are inevitably going to evolve in some way because we are evolving. We're changing. Yes, well said. So I think the the way to keep things simple is um, a playful curiosity and a willingness to constantly experiment. Because then we can add things to the tapestry or we can take them away. And if things don't work anymore, we have to be willing to let them go and drop away. And, you know, life doesn't really exist in a void. So when we take away maybe a certain practice or a relationship or a way of eating, inevitably we need to fill the void with something. Yeah. So I just try and stay really open-minded. I try and retain that childlike playful curiosity and just constantly ask myself like okay does this work in my life anymore or am Mm -hmm. I holding on to maybe an old way of being because I'm afraid of evolving or I'm afraid of moving forward or experimenting with something new um yeah so I guess that's how I keep it simple it is just if things don't work I try and let them drop away with ease and grace well said that is beautiful the way you just said that and I I really want to pick up on the playful curiosity and experimentation and I completely agree too and I have that sort of personality too where like I'll start going to a class and I'll be like I'm going to go to this every single day (laughs) and then I don't one day and all of a sudden I make myself wrong right and I think we talked about this when you were in town but it's like you know it's all well and good to to have these new things or things you want to do but the beating yourself up when you don't do it or you fall off or, you know, you eat something you didn't want to eat or you overeat something or you miss the exercise class or the yoga practice or the gratitude journaling and then you are in this spiral of, oh my gosh, I'm so wrong and I'm going to just never do it again or I'm going to just, you know, eat the pizza too or whatever it is. (laughs) Instead of spiraling, just have that moment of recognition and be like, all right, that's a choice I made. No big deal. I'm going to just choose again next time. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to beat myself up because, you know, I always say stress is worse than anything you could eat or anything you could do to your body. So, um, yeah, just being kind to ourselves, I think, is really what it comes down to, right? 100%. I, I couldn't agree more, Katie. And and for me, you know, I, I was definitely in a mode, and I still have my tendencies, no doubt, uh, of – being really hard on myself and um you know i've gone into the reasons why that is and and you know i think a lot of it you know just to be really transparent is um i want to i want to just do really good work in the world and and i hold myself to such a high standard sometimes unattainably so 
that if I don't hit my mark, I beat myself up. You know, my, my thing is, and this goes years back, I, I remember I was doing a workshop in Los Angeles what, the first year I moved here, back here in, in 07. It was called um, Mastery and Transformational Techniques. It was a similar structure to Landmark in a way. Nice. And I remember we did a, we did a exercise of going around the room and telling people people we barely knew. We were only in workshop maybe for three, four days at that point of what we found most attractive about them and what we found least attractive. And I remember there was a blind woman who I was talking with and she said, Jason, do you know the least, the thing I find least attractive about you? And I said, what? She said, you're so hard on yourself. Mm. You beat yourself up so badly and it's so unattractive because you're, you're such an amazing man and you're just, you're so mean to yourself. And that, I mean, this was a woman who physically could not see me with her eyes, but she could feel that. She could feel that energetically. And it was like, oh, my God. How did so, she know you were so hard on yourself? Was it, were you like externally showing that? Or just from the energy that you were putting out? I think it was just like the energy of being in workshop and, and commenting on things and, and whatever clues I gave her, yeah. she, she picked up on that. So interesting. And, it's fascinating. And it's, it's interesting because I still, I'm working on it. I'm working on it all the time because, um, you know, last year, for instance, you know, when the TV show didn't get picked up for another season, I went into kind of a downward spiral of you're not good enough. You weren't, you, you know, you messed up. You should have done this differently. You should have done that. You weren't a good enough host. You disappointed the wellness community. You disappointed your friends. You just, it was like, oh my God, I told, I totally last year was, was tough because you know, on this subject, it's like you spend so much love and intention and energy manifesting this this crown jewel that you've wanted for so many years, and then it's gone. Yeah. And it's like, so for me, I, I'm, I guess I'm saying I deeply resonate with, with the subject matter you're talking about of we're not wrong and shaming ourselves and beating ourselves up is not a productive. healthy – It's not productive, No. So I relate is what I'm saying in a big way and and I think it's flagging it before we go into that downward spiral and saying, wait a second, wait a second, what's real here? Yeah. What is real here? The reality is everything is okay. I did my best. I'm always doing my best with with the information I have and you know what? I'm going to make a different choice next time. I'm going to do my best to make a different choice next time. I am so grateful that you shared that vulnerability with us. That's Really, really awesome because I think, you know, at the end of the day, we all have that that deep feeling of n- not being enough. You know, that was that yeah. was my story and that, that's what led me down my path and um, with the struggles that I went through with my body and food and, and eating disorder. And I think that, you know, it's it's a slippery slope for people. And I think that, you know, for some people, they have a level of confidence that, you know, things don't take them out as easily, but then other people are more self-critical of themselves and different things can take them out. So I think the more people hear, um, people that they respect, especially, you know, hearing you tell that story of vulnerability that like even Jason Robel has, you know, <laughs> you know, sometimes questions things. I think that's so powerful um, for people to hear. I know it was for me. Awesome. Um, yeah, thank you for sharing that. So now you do a lot, a lot of things and you have a lot of things um, 
coming up and a lot of things coming out. So I want to know what is your favorite part of what you do and, and how you've designed your life right now as things stand? Oh, the p- favorite part of what I do and the favorite part of how I've designed my life. Um, the favorite part of what I do is, I guess, just having a platform to be able to connect with people all over the world. I know we touched on that earlier with social media. Um, it's just so exciting for me to know that I can put out, you know, these creative projects into the world and, you know, getting messages from people in Australia and New Zealand and China and Canada and all over the U.S. and and feeling that there's this global community being built, that all of us are, are part of this tribe and the tribe is just exponentially growing every year. And the favorite part about what I do, I guess, is just the opportunity to connect and learn from other people all over this planet. Um, I'm, I'm a truth seeker. I'm an information junkie. And um, it, every single day I'm seeing a new video or, or seeing a new ebook or reading a great post and so much inspiration and love and truth being shared amongst us all. So I guess just choosing a profession that allows me to connect with people. Um, you know, I remember starting my career, as I mentioned, as a copywriter in, in the nine to five, you know, just going into the office every single day and feeling like my world was so small. And I just, I guess feeling like I'm a part of a global tribe mm-hmm. is, is, is the best part of it. I um, love that. I love that. It goes back to the internet is so cool for, for that reason too. Yeah. And, um, as far as how I've designed my life, um, I would say injecting a, a ethos of, of freedom in what I do and feeling free to create whatever I want. Um, freedom is, is probably my highest value. And, you know, in, in choosing to be an entrepreneur and choosing to be and create a brand around, around my personality, it was really born out of the desire of, feeling so um, so stifled in, in, in the office jobs I was doing and so much like I was helping other people create their vision and their dream. And it's so empowering to make the choice that, you know what, I love myself enough and whatever music is going on in my life, I mean that literally and also esoterically, like whatever the music mm-hmm. that my heart is playing has to be shared with this world. It has to be. There's a reason it's there. And so I guess just the freedom to create and, and, and give my message and my gift to the world is, is maybe the, I guess, the building block for everything I do. And, um, you know, entrepreneurship can be scary sometimes. You know, there's, there's certain months that, you know, you do really, really well and there's a lot of abundance rolling in, a lot of opportunities and other months where you're like, whoa, okay, the pendulum has swung. Um, but in doing so, it really helps to strengthen your faith and your trust in the universe yeah. that, that all is well, everything's happening for the highest good, uh, only good, oh, and trusting, right? That only good is going to come of your situation. Yeah. Whatever situation. Oh, that's my favorite yeah. affirmation ever. It's true, though. And, yeah. and like having been through the fire, you Say know, having been the through the, the yeah. challenges we all have, you know, and we all have challenges. You know, there's this. There's this mentality, I think, in our society that, well, if I only had this much money and I only had that partner in my life and I only had that car and 
I only had this, yeah. this, and this, and this, everything would be fine. But we're always going to be tested. We're always going to have to walk through the fire, no matter mm-hmm. where we are in life. Yeah. And I think going through the fire enough times, you realize that everything can fall apart, and yet here you are, still breathing, still feeling. The blood is still flowing through your veins, and, and you can heal and grow and still choose to love no matter what we go through. Wow. That was amazing. I'm going to re-listen to this because that's you're you're so spot on. I think, you know, entrepreneurship really puts that mirror up in your face. I think it's like the best, you know, opportunity for personal development, you know, is yeah. to to have your your own business. Um it really puts that in your face like a mirror and makes you examine everything. So, yeah. yeah. Well said. Thank you. Um okay, I want to know what and who is inspiring to you lately now and in general even you know in the past too wow that's so hard there's so many oh my goodness um i'm looking over at my bookshelf right now just to <laughs> <laughs> just to see if i can and pick people out um you know i suppose on again, planting the seeds, you know, having such an amazing, uh, being raised by such an amazing mother. Um, you know, she exposed me to a lot of really amazing authors when I was very young. Um, one of the, my most cherished possessions is, uh, is a copy of, of the prophet by Khalil Gibran that my mom gave me when I was a teenager. And that, that work in particular continues to be such an inspiration, such a, such a seminal piece in my life. Um, Joseph Campbell is also one of my absolute favorite authors and just how he combines the hero's journey, as you mentioned earlier, with, with modern mysticism and the challenges we go through of life and, and, you know, creating our lives as we go and having the courage to, having the courage to live dangerously and live authentically and live heroically. Um, uh, also in that sense of just being super authentic and, and being, you know, honoring our individualities. Osho. Osho is also mm. a hugely, hugely influential author in my life. Um, you know, but really, if 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 I had to hang my hat on people that have really inspired me, it's not actually chefs. People ask me all the time, "Who are your you know major inspirations?" And it's it's really authors and uh, musicians and comedians. If I if I can kind of lump people into three general categories. Um, you know, coming up as a chef, I, I wasn't really all that inspired by other chefs. I, I kind of wanted to carve my own path as I went. Um, but it's really the artists. I mean, growing up, growing up in Detroit, listening to you know Motown and Stevie Wonder and all that really heartfelt soul music. That that stuff that you know when you when you hear it, you just feel like dancing. It hits you, and you're just like, oh, I just got to get up and dance. Yeah. Um, that music that fills your soul. Um, uh, as far as comedians, you know, Jim Carrey, George Carlin, um, there's so many people, but I guess on, on the underlying thread through, Katie, if I, could, if I could maybe hang my hat on one thing, it's that all of these artists have one thing in common, is that they were so daring to be themselves, and they didn't care about what anybody thought. Like, they were willing to just go out there 
in a time that maybe they were shunned or people were critical of their work or they were saying things that were politically or racially or spiritually different and people weren't getting it at first. But there was just some element of radical truth and radical courage that they were willing to get up on a stage or, or put a pen to paper and speak their truth with reckless abandon. And that's the thing that lights me up and puts me in a, on fire when I, when I feel that, if it's music or a book or someone on a stage. And, you know, when it's real, you can feel it. You can't, you just, mm-hmm. you feel it when it's real. Yeah. So, um, so for me, it's those kind of artists and authors and, and performers that have shaped my life. And, you know, when I've seen them or read them, went, oh, my God, this, this this is real and yeah. uh, and I, there's too many people to list i mean we could have an hour of me you know telling you books and music and all these things that have changed my life but well that sounds fun we should totally do that another yeah time. yeah or yeah you can just <laughs> sit down and have a meal next time i'm in town and like yeah. have a download on that but. yeah no we totally will that sounds amazing and i i agree with that a lot you know i always same thing with me like i used to be so like laser focused on the wellness world, mm-hmm. but now I draw inspiration outside of that industry much more. And that I think is a really healthy way to be regardless of what industry you're in. It's really awesome to, you know, look to whether you're a health coach, look at fashion for inspiration, look at, like you said, music or comedy. And I think, you know, having these outside influences make your work in whatever industry you're in that much better because you'll have you'll it'll make you unique and that's definitely the case for you Jason and you know for me it's it's it makes you a more well-rounded person too mm-hmm. yeah I, I mean it's interesting too because you know inevitably people want to talk about food with me mm-hmm. and I just I get to the point where I get burnt out and I'm like okay can we what movies yeah. have you seen lately like what, yes. what like can we talk about your channel yes. like something other than food I love food I'm not hating on food but totally it's almost like I find myself wanting to methodically steer people to a different yeah. kind of conversation yeah um because I think it's so easy when when we achieve a certain level of success in life in a given profession that that's all people think about yes, when they say, yes. oh, you're the chef, you're the wellness consultant, you're the blah, blah, blah. It's like, yes, and I love all these other things too. Can we talk about that? Would that be cool? Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. It's like if you had a plumber over for dinner, you're not going to be like, so my toilet yesterday. <laughs> you know, like exactly. you're really going to talk to them about other things. And I think too, it's like that's your career and your job. And like, yes, you chose it. Yes, it's your passion. Yes, you dig it. But at the end of the day, like maybe we can talk about something else too because that is work for you. And it's funny, I consciously chose to, you know, we've been going for 55 minutes at this point and we've talked about food for like maybe five seconds. Like we didn't really make that, I didn't really make that a priority of our conversation because people can go to your YouTube channel and get recipes and get everything they need on that. You have an entire cooking channel show on that. But I wanted to hear about the person behind it. And like I said, the the hero's journey. And um, not that I don't think your recipes are great, but I just wanted to to talk about something else. And um, so I'm glad that, that you appreciate that too. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. So cool. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, I think we, we talked about this when we were together, um, a couple months ago, but like, you know, and I've realized this on my journey and, and spoke about this to my peeps before, but it's not about the food. You know, at the end of the day, like the food is great. The food is amazing. We love the food, but that's part of a very large picture in our lives. And I think it's so easy to get so laser focused on that, but, you know, making your life as a whole really beautiful, not just your body and not just your way of eating. I think yes. that's that's the key here. Yes. Well said. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah. And that's what you do, which which is really awesome. Thank you. So, okay, before I get into my signature questions, um, what are you most excited about in your life right now? What's next for you? Tell us the scoop. Okay, so uh, we talked about the book. We, we do have the same publisher, Hay House, and um, I am right now just getting ready to jump in the deep end with shooting uh, the food photos. I'm not shooting them, but working with the photographers cool. to be doing the food photos. And um, I Can I am, come over that day and, and eat it when it's done? If you want to come to L.A., yeah, because I <laughs> – listen, I am not going to – I've had those recipes about – 10,000 oh, times. Oh, you're so sick of them. So the That's last so thing I want to do is eat those recipes. Oh, my gosh. So, yes, if you want to come out for a visit, I will gladly feed you. Oh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, the, the, book is, um, the book is in process. Uh, manuscript, photos, everything will be done, and the book will be out April 5th, 2016. So oh, we're, we're book just... buddies. We're so close to each other. When's yours coming out? May. I think, oh, yeah. Oh, cool. I'm working on the developmental edit right now, but yeah. Awesome. Well, then we definitely have to do appearances together because yes. that is clearly serendipitous. Yes. Oh, that's going to be so fun. Yeah. Um, so so the book is is dominating my world right now in, in just an intense focus with the manuscript edits and the photos. And um, I am really focused on a new uh, media concept that I want to launch. Uh, of a children's uh, series, cool. uh, series completely focused on kids. That's amazing. Yeah, because you know, I I really, if I look at the landscape of wellness in general, um, yeah. and people have been saying, "Oh, do you want to do a, a kids cooking show?" Like, no, that food and nutrition will be an element of it. But I really want to create a a, a new platform to talk to kids about healthy life in general. Yes, like you said, yes, it includes food, but it's about healthy relationships and yeah. self-esteem and how to relate to people, how to deal with bullies, how to really be compassionate <sighs> to animals and, you know, all these aspects that if we're talking about education, you know, kids aren't taught these things. Yeah, which is crazy, but Like, yeah. it's funny that the most critically important life tools, kids are not taught right, in school. Right, right. So... I really want to talk to kids. I, I, I naturally kind of feel like I talk to kids great in general. Every time I sit down and talk with children, they're just like, yeah, okay, yeah. And I, I just really want to launch a platform probably in the next 18 to 24 months of a new concept that is directly going to reach out to children. And um, Oh, my gosh, that's amazing. So that's the book and that new kids platform are really, um, really what's on the horizon for me. I'm so excited about both of those, and I want to be involved in that kids' platform. That sounds stellar, and I'm yeah, so I, glad that's going to exist. 
Thank you. I, I, I feel like it's necessary. I feel like um, my, it's what my heart wants. My heart is telling me like, yes, you need to reach out to kids. Kids is where it's at. Yeah, and, you have to uh, follow that. Yeah, so I, I, I'm right now start, just starting to brainstorm on uh, the universe of characters on the show and creating a setting for it and cool. just concepting it out. That is so awesome. That is so cool. And I always say, you know, I feel so connected to the universe when I'm around children because children are so much smarter than us. You know, they come in, we come in with everything we need to know and then we pick up stuff we don't need to know like Velcro and we spend the rest <laughs> of our lives trying to, you know, remove that. So, yeah. um, you know, being around kids is is really, really healing, I find, especially yeah, me too. And um, and creating a forum and, and a vehicle to really speak to them. and Yeah, get them so that maybe they don't have to pick up so much Velcro. Exactly. Exact. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Thank you. That's a great analogy. Can I use that, the please, Velcro? Please, please. Okay, cool, because I really love that. Yeah, it's, it's really true. Making them less sticky or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so some quick fire-ish questions. You ready for them? Yes, I'm ready. Okay, so this is a question I ask everyone who comes on the show. Can you walk us through your morning routine and any specifics you do in the morning and how you start your day and why that's important for how the rest of your day goes? Absolutely. So um, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I wake up, I, I let the cats in the bedroom and, and actually lay with them and get some kitty loving, first of all. So I like to start my day with just like completely unconditional love. Open up mm-hmm. the door. They usually paw at the door about 8.39 a.m. And they're like, okay, we're ready for love. Open the door, man. Open it. <laughs> so the kitties rush in. They, they storm the bed. Um, so immediately it's just love fest. Um, uh, I get up. I generally will just start the day with um, a big glass of water with usually a little bit of some kind of alkalizing element, like maybe a little lemon juice or apple cider vinegar just to instantly alkalize the body. So really just rehydrating. You know, whenever we wake up, we're really, our bodies are super dehydrated. Mm-hmm. They're in an acidic state when we wake up. So I just, I like to hydrate and alkalize as quickly as possible. Um, and then I feed my cats. I open up all the windows, let the fresh air in the house. And I like to do a morning meditation. And um, that requires me locking the cats in the bedroom because I, I find that inevitably in the beginning when I first got my kittens that, if I didn't lock them in the bedroom, they would bum rush my meditation room and they would not leave me alone. <laughs> and that was really hard to meditate. So um, I like to do, you know, I don't really time it out, but it seems like I do usually uh, 30 to 40 minutes of a morning meditation where I just sit in my meditation room and I focus on my intentions for the day, what I want to manifest, um, really focus on my breathing focus on, I have a a meditation technique called sensing, where I focus my energy on sensing uh, different different parts of my body. And it really grounds me, really helps me have a full body awareness. And I have a list uh, on my manifestation board. And every, every six months, I kind of update my manifestation list. And after my morning meditation, I'll open my eyes and I'll read my manifestation list out loud every day which is kind of a mix of physical things in the world I want to manifest and also affirmations as well. 
and take a few minutes to really look at my manifestation board and remind myself why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I'll start my day inevitably with a smoothie every single morning like clockwork and um, jump into emails and get going. What, so, what goes in that smoothie? Oh, Is it geez. the same every day or you switch it up? Super I switch food? it up. It's, it's, usually, it's usually a mix of some kind of tropical action, banana, mango, pineapple, uh, definitely a big handful of greens, arugula, watercress, spinach. Uh, I'll throw in some acai, some goji berries, um, usually a fresh hemp milk or a coconut milk, um, a little bit of raw protein. And then after my smoothie and um, hitting up email early in the day, I'll go in, I'll go to the gym, usually around like 11.30 a.m. And um, uh, I've been hitting the weights. I actually have moved away from yoga this year. And I've been focusing more on strength training and really just building my body and building more strength. So um, I'll hit the weights for like an hour and a half and come home and just keep doing the business thing. Nice, nice. Keep what working. about at the end of the day then, your evening rituals? What are some things you do to relax and wind down at the end of the day? You know, that's something that's a little more loosey-goosey for me, honestly. Um, at the end of the day, I really like to play guitar and just kind of Oh, cool. Um, I didn't know you did out. that. Or, I think yeah. I did, actually. I think I've – actually, I definitely did. And you're a great yeah. singer, too. Thank you, love. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I really like to try and take time and I'm, I'm just really trying to make an intention every single day to play music and sing because it's, it's one of my great loves in life and um, just really relaxing at the end of the day. Um, yeah. I find that, you know, there's really great stuff that can help me relax at the end of the day. Um, you know, there's natural ambience, like probably my last meal of the day will maybe be like a shot of like black cherry juice, which has a lot of compounds in it that help me sleep. Um, bananas are a great. Yeah, yeah bananas are great. Um, valerian root tea is great. So I'll have something at the end of the day. There's actually a really cool product, an herbal product that just came out um, at the Natural Products Expo called Naps, N-A-P-Z. And it's a little like just herbal tincture that you can mix with water and so I'll just have like a little sleep aid. I'll play some guitar. I'll, I'll read before bed. I'll usually have a book next to my bedside table. Um, right now I'm reading a little Wayne Dyer, reading a little Tony Robbins. Nice. So I'll read. And, um, and at night is when I really like to do my gratitude journaling. Not in the morning. I like to do my gratitude journaling at the end of the day. Um, so I keep my gratitude journal by, by my bedside. And I've been doing a technique recently that I learned from uh, Marie Forleo. And oh, I think I know what you're talking about. So okay. Good. So my gratitude journaling used to be, I'm grateful for mm -hmm. my cats and my girlfriend and my car and my mom and I'm grateful for my body and I'm grateful for the green juice I had today and I'm grateful for like 50 things I was grateful for. But she opened my eyes to this really interesting technique of like pick one thing and list like five to yeah. ten things about that one thing, specific things you're grateful for about that one thing, right? So I'm so grateful for my career because one, two, three, four, five. Yeah. And that's been super powerful for me because I can feel my body. I can, I can just feel my heart opening more. Like, oh, 
God, I have I, I really love this aspect of my life because there's so many great facets to it. Yeah, that changed things for me as well. And I really enjoyed that video. I'm gonna post the link to that video in the show notes for you guys, but it's it's such a great video too because Marie chooses um, her fiance Josh, and she yeah. actually starts crying in the video, yes. Yes. and it's so real. And like, I'm gonna, I'm like tearing up thinking about it. Um, but yeah, I started to cry when I saw it, and I've like, I kept it in my watch later on YouTube, and I watch it sometimes because it's just like, I don't know, I loved that video. There was something about it, so it's funny you mentioned that. Yeah, yeah, and it's. That point, like now, I like I'm getting emotional because it was like so. She was so raw. And yeah, so, right. I'm about, glad it wasn't just me. Yeah, no. Like when, when that happened, it was like wow. Yeah, because he Cause comes I, out and like brings yeah. her pancakes, and I don't know if she knew, she probably did know that, but like she still <laughs> was like so in the moment, and it, you could yeah. tell it was so authentic. You know. Yeah, absolutely. And and um, that came at such an important time in my life where you know, looping back around, coming full circle to that thing of like, you know, when, when we have a tendency to beat ourselves up, it was like, but why am I not more grateful? I'm doing my gratitude yeah. and I have my vision board and why, why am I still not? Yeah. Oh, and, and it was like, you just need to try something new and experiment and be curious. Mm-hmm. And remember that that's what life wants is for you to experiment and be open and be free. And when I saw that Marie video, I was like, bingo, going to experiment, going to try it. Same. Me too. I know. And, shifting out of like you know hey sometimes things that work for us for a little while stop working and we need to try something new yeah it's and it's not necessarily because the thing changed but we change yes so, yes yeah um okay let's do some more quick fires ready cool yep favorite color orange favorite yoga pose uh vashistasana favorite day of the week sunday <laughs> Favorite hour of the day? Hour of the day. Uh, oh, boy. Um, I like 8 o'clock. <laughs> PM or AM? PM. <laughs> nice. Um, favorite, we're almost there. Well, not for you, but you're getting close. <laughs> favorite vegetable? Oh, God. I know. Oh, it's my God. Uh, I was, children. I, my, my mind went to avocado, but it's technically botanically fruit. a fruit. Um, favorite vegetable. Uh, I love broccoli. I do. It's a good one. I do love broccoli. Those God bless cute it. Little trees. <laughs> <laughs> um, favorite fruit, or are you going to say avocado? You know, I, I'm honestly, if 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 it's the thing I eat most, what I eat even more than avo is coconut. Ah, oh, so good. I eat. I should only if there was like stock in the coconut. <laughs> I actually, should I should I should actually invest in coconut futures? Yeah. Good idea. I'm going to do that. Yes, coconut. (laughs) Favorite herb? Oh, I'm a basil fan. I know it's cliche, but I love my basil. No, it's a great one. Best thing you've eaten in the last week? Oh, okay. So I went to the Cafe Gratitude um, grand opening. They just opened a new location um, this past week in downtown LA, which is super exciting because downtown LA is totally blowing up. Cool. Kind of like you see downtown Detroit coming up. Yeah. Like downtown LA, there's a lot of cool stuff going on. So I had, what was it? It was like, let me look at the picture real quick. It was like, it was like a, a potato risotto dish that was so creamy and good. Whoa. 
And okay, I'm looking at it right now. Okay. Oh no, no, no. It was it was a it was a potato cauliflower cheesy risotto. Oh yum. It kind of reminds me of that soup for some reason that I was telling you about. It's so good. Yum. So good. Like creamy and hearty and dense and a little bit spicy, a little bit Ooh. cheesy. Like just hitting every note you want to hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. So good. Mm, that sounds amazing. Um, this is off topic, but it's something that you said to me when we met that was so – I don't know why. It just like always pops into my mind. But when you talk about – because you were saying cheesy. So if people are, are confused, there was probably nutritional yeast or something else that like made that, that cheesy flavor. And, yes. um And it's funny because I just have to like highlight something you said to me that I just thought was so funny. But you were saying like, you know, people who are new to plant based and they're like, oh, but I but I love mac and cheese. You'll be like, oh, we got that. And you'll be like, I love pizza. And No, no, no. We got that, too. Like, I love ice cream. Got you. You know, like (laughs) just you like I'm just totally quoting you right now. But for whatever reason, I just thought it was so funny the way you were explaining that. And so now I don't know why it just stuck with me. So I had to share that. Yeah, so yes, when we're talking about cheese, what I really mean is like a dank, dense cashew cheese, Yeah, right? But we've got it so literally, like we have it so dialed in now that every single thing people are like, well, but I still want to eat my blah, blah, blah. I'm like, it's cool, man. We got Got that. We got you. We got got you. Done, dude. Done. (laughs) Done, done, done. Except the only thing that I've yet to see is like oysters like vegan or healthy oysters like people are like well what about oysters i'm like oh i'm sure you could oh, let me work on something let me work on yeah it. you just just get on that for a second i'm sure you can <laughs> make something um well okay favorite on the go snack oh my goodness that re- it really changes um for me i okay so i have i have kind of a rotating thing of like maybe dried figs a mix of pistachios and goji berries and cacao nibs. I like to have kind of like a trail mixy thing yeah. close by at all times, um, or maybe even just an apple, a quick apple or pear in the car. But a really cool thing I started doing last year, um, one of my big challenges during the day is eating midday. I like to schedule in LA because of traffic. My safe zone in the day is like between 11.30 and 3 o'clock in L.A. because the traffic is lightest then. Mm -hmm. So inevitably, I'll usually schedule all my meetings, all my appointments, everything major I have to do in the middle of the day. But I started getting into this pattern where I would get hangry and my blood sugar would drop and I would forget to eat in the middle of the day. Yeah. So a really wonderful mentor of mine, Michael, he's like, well, why don't you keep food on hand at all times? And I said, well, how? He said, well, I like to put actually like protein bars in my glove box. I was like, oh, protein bars in the glove box. (laughs) So what I've started to do and not chocolate coated protein bars because in the summertime that becomes a hot mess literally. Or if you're here, they might freeze. Exactly. But what I like to do is I'll throw maybe two, three protein bars in my glove box and when I inevitably have that moment midday where I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so hungry. I'm going to kill somebody. Yeah. Hangry. I remember, oh, yes, 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 yes. I have a protein bar in the glove box. Hallelujah. Yeah. So having food on hand when I know I'm going to be busy is so, so critical for self-care. And yeah. making sure I don't get in that state where I'm really irritable. Yeah. And something that's easy to eat too, like smoothies and bars and trail mix and fruit are great for that because, absolutely, you know, I even like, you know, I'll, I'll try to take like 
kale salad in a jar, but it's like, oh, it's messy, and I really rather eat that in a bowl at home, and you know, totally. it's just better. Um, so yeah, that's a that's a really good practical thing. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Um, what is one food that you would say? Well, you already answered this probably that you eat every day or close every day. Yeah, I mean, I, in, I probably eat some form of coconut or or hemp every day. Yeah. Um, those are definitely two staples because they're so versatile. Um, every day, I, I, let me let me think. Every single day, I'm probably eating coconut, hemp seeds, or some form thereof, uh, raw cacao or dark chocolate, um, dark berries, be it blackberries, blueberries, raspberries, acai, getting those antioxidants in there, um, and some form of greens, kale, arugula, watercress, romaine, some dark leafy nutrient-rich green. Um, so yeah, those are probably my top five on the daily in some form things that I eat. Nice. I love that. What's your, um, favorite recipe you've ever created or one that just stands out? Um, I, well, I can tell you my most popular recipe of all time, which maybe will help me pick my favorite recipe, but my most, I guess my most popular recipe, most downloaded, most shared, et cetera, is, um, is my cauliflower lentil tacos with spicy guacamole. Yum. I don't think I've made that. I don't know why. I mean, it's not necessarily my favorite recipe, but it hit when the show came out and people went gonzo for this recipe. I don't know why, but it just took off. So because it, it sounds delicious. Okay, <laughs> maybe, maybe that's the reason. But 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 I would get all these Facebook posts and pictures of kids eating them, and you know, elderly people eating them. And my uh-huh. husband, my husband is a hardcore meat eater, and he loved your tacos uh-huh. more than regular tacos. So so that taco recipe, y'all. If you guys want to download that, it's out there. You can download it on the Cooking Channel website, and it is that's a really good one. Um, my favorite recipe, though, oh, my goodness. Um, right now, I would probably have to say my butternut squash gluten-free mac and cheese with crispy sage leaves. Oh, uh, that sounds so good. That's killer. That's I'm getting like, so hungry. <laughs> <laughs> that's like one of those recipes. You, If you make those two together and you make that for somebody, I don't care how skeptical they are they're going to be at the end of that meal going yeah. like, oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, man. Those so, sound amazing. Yeah. I wish that I could just have them magically appear in front of me right now. <laughs> Next time when I'm in town, we'll get together and we'll just, like, go go ballistic. We'll yes. Just blow, blow up the kitchen. I can't wait. And we'll Instagram it so all of you guys can feel like you're there slash be a yes. little bit jealous too. Yes. Um, yes. Always. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay. If you could have a superhero power for a day, what would it be? You know, I was going to have a knee jerk and go flight. Uh, I would say the ability to, um, the ability to end all violence in the world. Mm-hmm. I don't know what kind of power, like maybe like making everyone instantly love each other. Yeah. That would, yeah. The, the ability to create spontaneous, instantaneous, never ending love. Uh, that's like cool. I would just like snap my fingers, like boom, you're in love. You're in love. You're in yeah. love. Yep, yep, forever. Yep. And by yeah. that, if everyone's in love, and I mean really deeply the true meaning of love, there would be no more war or violence right. or conflict or apathy. Like, just really opening people up. That's uh-huh. what I would do. Well, I think and you're doing that. And I would start that. with myself. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Um, favorite movie? 
Oh, God. Uh, Star Wars. The original. Favorite book? Um, uh, it's a tie between it's a tie between the prophet and uh, the Joseph Campbell companion. Nice favorite song. Jeff Buckley, Hallelujah. Mm, so good. Okay, last question, most important question. Okay. What does it mean to you to live in a wellness wonderland? Hmm. I think it, what that means to me is constantly looking for ways to love myself, to give thanks for my life, this, the gift of life that I have, um, to be of service and inspiration to everyone around me, to live as compassionately and gently to all the beings on this planet. Um, and to really own the beautiful reality that we can create our lives however we want and, and create our realities however we choose, that we are powerful creators. And we were born into this life to be joyful. We were born into this life not to suffer, but to really realize our purpose, our gifts, and to share them fearlessly and courageously and joyfully and ecstatically and ferociously with the world, um, constantly just, constantly just asking ourselves, how can I, how can I be more fully open to the beauty of life? That's what it means to me to live in the wellness wonderland. Mic drop for real. That was so good. Wow. (laughs) Thank you so much. I completely agree. I think the universe is like this cosmic technology we just have to figure out how to use and harness. And you've done a really great job with that. So thank you so much for sharing your hero's journey with us and being here. Thank you, Katie. It's been a wonderful pleasure just to sit in the living room with you. I feel like we've just been sitting on the couch together talking Same. for the last hour and a half. And um, and I'm just looking forward to doing more with you and and kicking butt on our book tour next year together. I know. Amazing. Thanks everyone for eavesdropping on us and we'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks for listening. You made it all the way to the end. I'll be back next week, but until then, let's stay inspired and keep this conversation going. So tweet at me at Katie Dalebout and our guest with your aha moments from this conversation and like the wellness wonderland on Facebook. So we can all hang out there and discuss how inspired we are and how we'll apply it in our daily lives. And never miss another episode or post from me by signing up for email updates on thewellnesswonderland.com. See you back in Wonderland.